With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. The Volume. Colin Coward Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. No better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. There's a lot of reasons. It's America's number one sports book. Incredibly easy to use. Super safe. Totally secure. Super fast payouts in as quick as two hours. You're not going to get that anywhere. Also, same game parlay bets. Live betting. It's the best. Hey, if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I did it in 15 seconds. Get started now. Sign up. Please use the promo code Colin so they know we sent you. Please use the promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. FanDuel Sportsbook app. Sign up. This is Prime Cuts, the best of the Colin Coward podcast. The holidays, meaningful football, most wonderful time of the year. Esteemed NFL insider and volume host Mike Silver filled me in on some back-channel pushback Jets head coach Robert Sala had about me. Also filled us in inside the Niners and a couple of fascinating topics and the avalanche of outrage from his article about Tom Brady's game planning habits. Also, Week 16, Sharper Square with the Action Network's Chad Millman. First, my top takes of the week. So generally speaking, California teams are wealthy in the context of comparing them to other sports franchises. Stan Kroenke owns the Rams. He's the first or second richest NFL owner. The Dodgers have the biggest payroll in baseball. Could be $50 million annually more than any other team. But there are exceptions. Robert Sarver was forced to sell the Phoenix Suns. Do you know who now is the poorest NBA owner? Take a second. Jeannie Buss, Lakers, the poorest NBA owner. Now, this has been one of my concerns all along. It's gone from a global brand to a national brand to now the Lakers are just an LA brand. The truth is, they're not even the most popular NBA team in terms of NBA ratings. In California, the Warriors are. The Lakers organization is friends and family. It is an incredibly insular brand now. Instead of creative and innovative and progressive, it's not the most popular basketball brand in the state of California. The Warriors are. In fact, I would argue it's not the most popular sports brand in Los Angeles. The Dodgers are. (laughs) The Dodgers draw 10,000 more fans per game than the second best attendance team in Major League Baseball, which I think is the Yankees. So when Stan Kroenke or wealthier owners, the Dodgers, 
can go past a tax threshold because they just want to win. It's a huge advantage. The Lakers, they just don't have the net worth as an ownership group. And this is something I've harped on for a long time. LeBron has an international brand. His brand right now is better perceived than the Lakers brand. Now, he left the Cavaliers. They have no brand outside of Ohio. But isn't that interesting that in Los Angeles, all things considered, the Dodger owners among the richest, the Rams owners among the richest, Steve Ballmer Clippers owner among the richest, he may be the richest, Jeannie Buss, smallest net worth among all NBA owners. This feels like a corner store, and it was the world's biggest basketball brand 15, 20 years ago. The Celtics and the Lakers were two big brands. The Celtics have kept up their end of the deal. Still wildly popular, still move a television rating, lots of young ascending players. Go look at the Lakers last 10 years. Take out the bubble year, which was a complete outlier for sports. Take out the bubble year. Last 10 years, what are the Lakers? A bottom five win percentage NBA franchise. I think there are people in Los Angeles that think I'm picking on them. I'm not. But they just literally don't know what they were doing. I was having a conversation with an NBA scout. And he was talking about, to me, the Lakers roster. And he's like, Colin, there are people on that roster that we, the team he worked for, used to work for, he said, we wouldn't even give a tryout to. Would not give a tryout to. So Sean McVay, after another loss on Monday Night Football, was quoted saying, this year has really been, quote, humbling. Listen, this isn't college football. The better you are, the worse your draft pick. The better you are, you win a Super Bowl, everybody wants a raise. Von Miller wants more money. OBJ wants more money. Players leave. Here's all you have to know. Patrick Mahomes has never repeated as a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. The one thing the Rams have, Sean McVay is a great recruiter. And Stan Kroenke is a very wealthy owner. And Los Angeles is very attractive to free agents. That's why Lincoln Riley can pitch and turn around USC so quickly. It's a great place. If you've got the guy willing to give you the sales pitch, Lincoln Riley, Sean McVay, you're going to be fine. Now, Chip Kelly, who's a really smart coach, isn't much of a recruiter, isn't a sales pitch guy. Even he landed the nation's second best high school quarterback this week. So California, a wealthy owner, and somebody that can pitch the franchise, you're going to be fine. I mean, that's what I wonder about New England. When New England comes out and says their quarterback, Mac Jones, can't throw a Hail Mary, doesn't have the arm to do it. When they throw 40% of their passes, no more than five yards down the field, the message you're sending to the National Football League, the top receivers, the top tight ends, we don't respect or trust our quarterback. And Belichick's not exactly Zeke Ziegler as a salesman. My concern for the Patriots is that whereas the Rams and New England are struggling, the Rams have a quarterback in Matt Stafford that has proven he can win not only playoff games, but road playoff games, and a coach that's willing to pitch all the high qualities of Los Angeles, of California, of the ownership, of SoFi, of the roster. 
Belichick views that as beneath him. Players don't want to play in cold weather anyway. They'll go to New England or Buffalo if they can get paid more. But when I look at the Patriots mess, the messaging to the rest of the league and free agents, and this is why it's important, free agents matter to New England because they can't draft and develop skill players. They can't do it 10 years. Gronk's the last offensive pro bowler they drafted and developed. So they've got to go to free agency. What's the sales pitch? We don't love our quarterback. Uh, You'll have to take a pay cut because we won't go top of the market. It's culture and defense over offense. I never worry about USC or, or an Alabama when you hire a Saban or a Brian Kelly at LSU or a Lincoln Riley or a Jim Harbaugh. Those guys can make a pitch. You tell me in New England right now, I'm a wide receiver and they have a terrible wide receiver room. You tell me, what is the pitch? Mac Jones? You don't trust him. Matt Patricia is your offensive coordinator? Bill Belichick culture over paycheck? Give me the coach that is willing to sell a program, college or pro. You can turn it around quickly. Belichick, that is not his vibe. And players want to see the love. They want to be recruited. Even guys that are already... 50 million plus net worth in the NFL, NBA. They want to be loved. You got to show them the love. All right, Mike Silver, host of Open Mic on the Volume, wearing the volume merch. Haven't talked to Mike in a long time. I'm all fired up for this. And we've got to start with this. One of your interviews, I love this so much. I can't, I've got to talk about this. So one of your great interviews with Robert Sala. Very, uh, you know, just dynamic, good looking, big energy, uh, really authentic at the mic. Not a BS or just going to come up. So I, I was pretty harsh on him. And I, and I, I've never known if he's going to make it or not because I do worry about defensive coach with young quarterbacks. Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields. I worry about it. I see Doug Peterson, who I was begging to get a job in Jacksonville with Trevor, and Trevor pops, like explodes. I do think we're living in a time where if you can choose, if you have to flip a coin, take the offensive guy with a young quarterback. Be that as it may, I'm not a fan of Zach Wilson. I've said before, I don't know if Salah's going to make it. Um... But I didn't like when he blamed the media for being instant coffee, you know, overreactionary and impatient with Zach Wilson. My favorite part, though, is he's your guy and he reached out to you. (laughs) You don't have to read all of it. But this is funny. This is why I love doing what I do. And he said to you what? Well, he wanted me to pass along some messages to you. One is that he loves, <laughs> he longtime listener, big fan, lo- thinks you're very insightful. He said judgmental, but insightful. But uh, yeah, he just wants you to know. I think uh, I'll paraphrase. He doesn't want you to believe that he's some giant meathead. He uh, and he has some offensive background. He played offense through college. He started his coaching career on the offensive side. Um, I will say this, Colin. Uh, so he brought Mike LaFleur with him from yeah. uh, the 49ers. And basically, Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel were there. Kyle was going to let him take one. Now, normally, when you have the second overall pick in a draft and you pick a quarterback, you sink or swim with that guy, right? Like if Zach Wilson right. turns out to pop and be good, then he and Joe Douglas will be great. And if he doesn't, it's a tough road, right? What I'm trying to wrap my head around is that it's very possible that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch will have traded 
three ones, possibly talked himself, talked himself, Kyle, out of the guy he wanted. That's a whole other story, and we've had that conversation. But whatever. Traded three ones and arrived at Trey Lance. It might be a bust, and they might get away with it because Brock Purdy is here balling. And if that happens, when has it ever happened that – because that's the kind of thing that you trade three ones and miss at three. You you get fired. It sets the franchise back years. They're just cruising. Well, they have have one advantage. Um, They have so many elite players. I mean, they have two elite linebackers, two elite safeties. They could move one and regain some draft capital. Everybody's looking for pass rushers. And you know what I mean? So, you know, they could go get a bunch of, you know, they could say, listen, uh, Hufunga's hitting it out of the park. We could move Jimmy Ward. So they do have the ability outside of the right side of their offensive line, center right. Not a lot of weaknesses with this franchise. They're, they're even at wide receiver. Jennings is a seventh round pick. Elijah Mitchell at six. They've hit so many home runs. So, my takeaway on the Trey Lance thing is you have to give it another camp in preseason. But here's what worries me. It's by the time next season starts, he's played four games in three years. Mike, it's unprecedented. That's not enough games. Yeah, and juxtaposed against the guy who they took him at 262. So let's not go pretending like they thought he was uh the second coming of Tom Brady, but Brock Purdy to them had played a lot of games, right? Got, became a starter his freshman year at Iowa State. And that showed in training camp as Trey Lance was struggling with accuracy and maybe struggling with the weight of the situation. And Jimmy Garoppolo was off on his side field, uh, you know, as, as a spectacle, just throwing, waiting to get traded, it seemed. Brock Purdy was out there going against what's clearly the best defense in football with some swag to him. And you know, the confidence jumped out at people. Uh, and I think that's one reason, uh, along with how he's looked, that it's worked so well since he's come in. But he he was experienced in in a way that Trey Lance wasn't. So, yeah, I wrote a column for the San Francisco Chronicle uh, recently about what's going to happen next year. Brady had just come to town. And, you know, there are really four people I was talking about, and that was Jimmy Garoppolo, who almost certainly will get paid and go elsewhere and has the power to pick his next spot because they can't tag him, nor would they, I don't think. Um, Trey Lance, who will still be under the rookie deal, and you have so much invested in. Brock Purdy, obviously a cheap second year of a rookie deal and you know we'll see if he levels off but has looked the part early on and then possibly tom brady who will be a free agent if he wants to keep playing if they are interested in him as a bridge quarterback and he's interested you could really keep purdy and lance around while you have brady and so um i could see that i could also see a situation where if it goes as well as it seems to be going with purdy where they say look we're keeping the two young guys we're going to have a competition in camp but i would be shocked if brock purdy doesn't win that competition no this is not a knock on trey if you look at what kyle wants he wanted mac jones accurate he liked kirk cousins accurate matt schaub he liked matt schaub he doesn't like he doesn't like guys that run out of his play. In fact, my knock on him, my only knock on Kyle Shanahan 
and this may be unfair, he can become beholden to his play sheet. Is that he, I mean, he is so focused. Like there are times I'm like, could you let Garoppolo let it rip a little? I want to talk about Brady because Brady refuted your report that he changed Buccaneer game plans. I've known you for a long time. One of the reasons I hired you, you're unbelievably connected and you don't bullshit. Um, so I do think Brady's fascinating because he won't take, because you're not paying Purdy or really Trey Lance anything. And Tom won't take a max deal with this, with this roster. Not, you know, there's just not a lot of money. Yeah. So I do. If I said to you, let's, before we get to refuting your report on Brady, I think it feels as his parents age, 40, 60, 50, 50. I mean, where do you land on Brady and the Niners? I, I believe from talking to people there that he wants to come back at this point, although you never know. And I believe he's open to other situations. Uh, we'll see if Sean Payton gets a job. There was that talk last year. But you know, I know there was a real pull for him three years ago, and Kyle ultimately decided, you know what, um, I'm going to ride with Jimmy. We just got to the Super Bowl. Kyle has essentially admitted publicly that, well, you know, knowing what we know now about Brady, you know, we we were crazy, and so was anyone else who didn't try to get him. But they hadn't loved his take from 2019. Um, you know, and now, you know, he's had a couple bad games now, including against them. But, and we just have this, you know, we've suspended disbelief and we just believe he's always going to be at this level till he's a hundred, right. Which is not going to happen. But, um, you know, there is some allure there, I think on, on both sides. And, you know, first of all, the one part of my report about Brady that we haven't talked about that I know he's not refuting because we had the conversation very vividly is that, he didn't shower after that game. He's back in front of family and friends. It rains. He plays a big, long game. And he gets out of his jersey slowly and puts on his Tom Brady boxers and gets dressed and seemingly boards a cross-country flight. That's crazy rock star stuff. Like, that to me, I told him, I go, I think that's probably your most legendary thing in the last five years, maybe other than the Rams come back. Uh, you know, winning a Super Bowl. That's so I was kind of obsessed with that. As far as the other thing, so I kind of put in late in my column as a throwaway uh, that Brady has a meeting with the skill players on Saturdays, just him and them, no coaches. And he kind of goes over the coaches, you know, script and, okay, you know, on this one, maybe you do this and just tweaks it some. And everybody, the skill players, though, and the coaches kind of find out on game day. Um, I was just, when I put it in, I was trying to illustrate uh, just how much he has on his plate. And I, pro you know, I did not discuss that with him in the time we had together after the game. Partly, honestly, because I was so obsessed with the shower thing. Uh, and partly because I just hadn't regarded it as... A super significant thing when I heard it, but I think what happened is when it came out, it it got taken by everyone as this incendiary thing, and I think Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich, who also refuted it, probably thought there it's it looks like we don't really coach, and Tom is the guy running things, and Tom may, maybe took it as it looks like I'm going rogue. I, I didn't get the feeling that anybody was upset about this that this is 
you know, and, and imagine if Peyton Manning were still playing at a high level and he were the same age as Tom or, or that age. Would you let Peyton Manning be heavily involved in tweaking the plays and telling players? You right. know, of course you would. So I, I didn't think, you know, the way it was portrayed to me is like, it's, this is a good thing. We have Tom Brady. He's giving heavy input and we're all on the same page. So, look, I stand by what I reported, but I do regret that I didn't get a chance to explicitly ask Tom about it. Um, that's on me. Yeah. And, and by the way, I think what you said there is your takeaway was look at how much Tom has on his plate. Right. It it wasn't an indictment of the character or work ethic of the coaches. It was um, an illustration of this thing's been a little bit of a tire fire and Tom's having to take control of it. Uh, I've, I've done that in my career where I, I say something or um, uh, I tell a story and people take it to be um, harsh when I'm just trying to illuminate something. So, I, I mean, I get it, but I, it's happened to me more than once. Football season's underway. Now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. The no sweat first bet up to a thousand bucks. Promo code Colin. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-HOP. P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of BF Goodrich tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. 
Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You know, so many things are interesting with the 49ers. Somebody was saying this to me recently, and I apologize for anybody listening to the podcast. We were talking about this. It may have been Jason McIntyre said this on the show. Only thing worse than making a draft mistake is doubling down on it. And what's interesting about Trey Lance is because of his lack of playing and aesthetically, he has struggled with accuracy. I know this because I was told the Niners literally went and called a quarterback coach last year in preseason. I won't give his name away and said, um, all hands on deck. We got an issue here. So it was a real issue. Then we watched him play twice and we're like, oh, it is an issue. He, It's a little Zach Wilson. He's missing layups. He's missing the easy stuff. And I don't think, I don't think the Niners ask a ton of their quarterbacks. They really don't. It's kind of a Chris Paul, get the ball to the shooter, get the ball in the lane, right? You're not asking them to be Steph Curry and hit 32 footers off balance. Like sometimes Kansas City or the Chargers or the Bills ask their quarterback to be Superman. Right. So the question with Trey is, Purdy's accurate. Trey's not. And what if they and, go to camp? Yeah, there, there are times where Trey was accurate. It's that he wasn't consistently accurate. And when it Consistent. looked bad, Fair. it looked really Fair. bad. Um, so here's what I would say on Trey. One thing that seems to me to be the case, and this is from talking to some people on the inside too, um, that athleticism that they believed they saw, you know, when you're running circles around Montana State, that's cool, but it's not necessarily the same thing as doing it in the SEC, right? I think they thought he could get outside a little bit more than what Good they point. encountered. And he's not. And like Josh Allen could do it. Lamar, heaven knows, and Justin Fields could do it, right? Um, there's some people who can do it. And Josh played at a lower level Wyoming, which is still – higher than North Dakota State. Um, so people were like, why was Kyle running him inside when he got hurt? Why, why didn't he keep running him inside? I think he was running him inside because he couldn't get outside. And so if that's the case, that's not on Trey. That's a failure uh, in the scouting process. Um, I've always clung to the fact that he's very, very intelligent. And, and what Kyle does yes. ask, what Kyle does ask is understand this very – um, high concept thing we're doing and know how to get it to the right person. So that is, that's always been exciting to me. But if you have accuracy that's not there and you don't have crazy athleticism, they were excited about the deep ball. That's kind of gone away. Um, but, you know, not, not with Trey, but I mean, with Jimmy and Brock Purdy, it's less of a part of their offense than they, intended and they drafted a guy Danny Gray who really hasn't been on the field but um you know look your depiction of what they're doing is very accurate and Robert Saul and I actually have had the conversation about how many elite players they have at many positions and that allows you a lot of leeway um, in that situation what I haven't seen from Purdy yet I did see him go on the road I did see him deal with a loud crowd in Seattle. I did see him play hurt, uh, you know, on a short week. So all that's really, um, you know, uplifting. What I, what I need to see next from Purdy is 
you're down 14 points in the fourth quarter or you are you need to really do something special with the ball uh, you know on a deep out or something and that the game hinges on that yes um, and will he you know no quarterback's perfect and you know look Jimmy Garoppolo was playing at a pretty high level if Jimmy Garoppolo got down by 14 points in the playoffs this year had he not gotten hurt and then threw a pick you know what would have happened. The world would have said, he, he's not good enough. You can only go so far with him. He yeah. can't win the big one. It's it's very possible that that could happen to Brock Purdy. And given where we are in the season, it's possible that could happen in Philadelphia or in, in the Super Bowl or, uh, you know, when Tom Brady beats Dallas in the well, playoffs and then comes back to Levi's and rips out their souls and, you know, whatever it is. Well, the greatest come from behind quarterback ever statistically is Patrick Mahomes, and he's the best quarterback. The great quarterbacks can do two things. Score is irrelevant. Even with Aaron Rodgers, top 10 quarterback ever, score is relevant. He's not as good from behind. Mahomes wins over 55% of the games he's trailed by 10 points. That's historically makes no sense. Wow. The second thing great quarterbacks do is beat great teams. Two is a great example. 5-0 and against non-playoff teams, dragged against three playoff teams. Now he'll go home against Green Bay and he'll win a game because they probably won't make the playoffs. So I think with Purdy, your concerns are very real. He's playing with a lead and he's beating meh. So as the, when you get to the playoffs, you're at Philadelphia. You trail. That, that's, I remember saying this about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, when he had Nick Chubb and throwing on second and four, Baker Mayfield was really effective. Sure. Trailing, totally different quarterback. And, and, and like, it's interesting talking about the 49ers. I'm really torn because I know how good they are and I see how they're rolling and get, I've gotten healthier and I feel that vibe and I look at the NFC and I'm thinking they should win that conference, in my opinion. Not a given, but that's there. But then if you really break it down, they've beaten two teams – uh, that currently have winning records. That's the Dolphins, who are eight and six, and the Chargers, who are eight and six. Beat the Seahawks, who are seven and seven twice. They've lost to one team that currently has a winning record. That's the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was not close. They got rolled. Now, McCaffrey had just gotten there. They had some health issues. Yeah. Traverius Ward wasn't right, but. That was not a uh, – if that was a Super Bowl preview, we hope it wasn't because the Chiefs were <laughs> way better that day. So, uh, you know, I I, I want to make sure I don't get too ahead of myself on it, but I saw your tweet the other night when I was working in Seattle with Brock Purdy <laughs> and the – you know, and I'm thinking – yeah, he might. Now, I think the counterpoint to that would be even if Brock, Brock Purdy gets to the Super Bowl, get ready for Purdy versus Burrow. Purdy versus <laughs> Allen. Purdy versus right. Mahomes. Purdy versus right. Lamar. Like, it's probably going to be one of those, like, right. whoa. Doesn't mean he can't win with that team. So, uh, finally, we've taken enough of your time. Um, I, I said this the other day. It doesn't matter. You're you're employed by multiple people. Uh, Metal Lark Media, me, Bally, San Francisco Chronicle. You have four employers. So you could have more. And, and one boss who's down the hall over there. She's getting ready for yeah. Christmas. We all have that boss. Yes. Yeah. So I've always said you'll your value is ultimately decided on an open market. The, crit the media critics can like you or not like you. You're on the open market. 
And I said this about the Raiders and Derek Carr. It may be time. I think you can make a valid argument that the Raiders can move off him because they've got some holes. And I think you can get a first and a fifth or a first and a fourth for him. Maybe it's a second and a fourth. I don't know. But I also think Derek would have a very dynamic market. I think if you put him in New York with that defense and, and Brees Hall, hello, that, that's a playoff team. So it's interesting. You can be two things at once, have an excellent market, and the Raiders need to rebuild. He's not a dead cap hit. And Will Levis has a big arm. Josh McDaniels, look what he did to Mac Jones year one. Look what's happened to him since he left. What do you make of Carr, the Raiders? Because I, I can see, Mike, them saying, we like him. But if we can get a second one and a second three, because I think they already have two fives, multiple sixes. What do you make of the Raiders situation? Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm going to see them uh, in a couple of weeks and and I'll have a stronger opinion. But, you know, I think here's why that makes sense. Number one, the owner was the owner had the wandering eye for years on Kari Water Russell Wilson. You know, he was. He was just kind of like, hey, can we get a superstar for the move to Vegas? Um, I, I think they paid enough guys around him that you could benefit from a co- situation where your quarterback is on a, a rookie deal at first, right? Because you paid yes. Waller, you paid Renfro, you paid Devante now. Devonte came there because of Derek Carr, so you got to deal with the politics of that. But you paid Crosby as you should, you know. You paid Chandler Jones. Maybe you wish you hadn't. Although you do now, uh, after that right. after one play. But uh, yeah, so I think that's it. I and I do think Derek Carr would have a big um, market. And by the way, Garoppolo as a bridge quarterback would be on the table for Josh, depending on how he feels about him. I I think. This is what I would say about Derek Carr. He's very intelligent. Um, you know, you could definitely win with him. He might, he's not going to elevate you the way Mahomes does who can. But the, the sneaky thing about Derek Carr that people don't really talk about is his clutch performance metrics are, and maybe I know this more because I covered a lot of Raider games when he was in Oakland. He's got a lot of come from behind victories, clutch wins, fourth quarter. Like, it's not an anomaly. His numbers are very, very close to the top since he's been in the league. And I'd ha- I have to go look that up again. There's different ways to measure it. But he's a guy who can take you back when you're down at the end and lead that game when he drives. So, yeah, um, I think he'd have a, a real market. You know, some new guys are going to come into the league. And Jimmy's out there, but really, it's not like we have this crazy abundance of, you know, frontline quarterbacks. And he would probably be the most attractive free agent on the market other than, you know, in recent years, other than Russell, who was kind of an anomaly. That's right. And Brady, who was an anomaly. um, He'd probably be the guy that got the most interest. Well, this year, Kirk Cousins has seven fourth quarter wins like come from behind why because when you get to year eight and nine brady talked about this years ago he's like i've seen every defense yeah Derek carr and kirk cousins have trailed in a lot of games late yeah you know situationally cars Cars numbers have always it's weird like if you look back even when they're not good the teams he's on his 
a lot of his wins were come from behind in the fourth quarter. Kind of wish I had the numbers in front of me. But, yeah, no, you're right. And he's at a stage where he's seen it. And he's, you know, nobody is going to ever say Derek Carr doesn't process it fast or Derek Carr doesn't right. have a grasp of the game. And also, you know, he talk about franchise quarterbacks. Like, he's going to take it really seriously. He's not going to. He's not going to screw yeah. it up. Time for Chad Millman, CCO Action Network, all odds provided by FanDuel. So it's interesting. Sometimes I'll look at the numbers, you peruse the numbers, and I just see a bunch of things I don't like. Um, there's always one game that jumps out to me. Um this week, I actually saw several I liked. Now, at this point, I'm not getting the best number. Commanders getting a touchdown at the Niners looked very interesting to me because I thought largely they outplayed the Giants. I think they have a talented roster. I can see the 49ers looking ahead. I also think you're going to get a little pushback or a little pullback on Purdy. There's now multiple games on Brock Purdy. There's limitations. Ron Rivera has been in this league as a defensive guy for a long time. My gut feeling is it's a little ugly. Low scoring. I'd rather get seven and a half. I'll take seven. Sharper square. Oh, my God. You are coming in hot. The holiday season has you prepped <laughs> to be very, very sharp. And personally, I feel like this is a gift to me. I feel like all of the teachings are coming back to me <laughs> tenfold right now. Totally sharp. The wise guys love this game. You mentioned... A lot to break down here, and it's and it's worth sort of spending the time on it because it's a really interesting game because it features a commander's team that a lot of people feel like they saw get beat in prime time against a Brock Purdy-led Niners team that is the hottest team in the NFL with a quarterback who people are now making all the regular comparisons you make when you got a guy who comes out of nowhere to do something great. That commander's team should have won that game. The other night, they outplayed yep. the Giants. Yep. You know, we do this thing at Action Network called the luck rankings, and, and it categorizes, it takes a lot of different sort of factors from a game, puts them all into one bucket, and basically says these teams outperformed expectations, these teams underperformed expectations based on the, the plays that defy expectations, red zone failures, random turnovers, penalty calls, right? The Giants and the Commanders had all of those at opposite ends. The Commanders, if you play the game out according to the stats, should have won that game. Meanwhile, they're going on the road. They're playing the hottest team in the NFL. The inflation in this game is massive, right? And Kyle Shannon in this spot tends to play more conservative. He's yes. terrible as a huge favorite. His decision-making changes. And you know who Brock Purdy could be? Taylor Heineke. Meaning he came in, he's a baller, he makes the right decisions, and then all of a sudden you get film on the guy and you're like, should we go back to Carson Wentz? Do we wish we had Jimmy G? Uh, so yeah, there is a lot of sentiment that loves the commanders. And one more thing to think about strictly from a bookmaker point of view. They are begging you to bet the commanders. When you have low totals like this, and the total is about 38 in this game, the bookmakers are expecting a low-scoring game. That's what they're telling you. Low-scoring games with pretty big numbers in terms of the spread tend to play to the underdog. The bookmakers are giving you a couple of points here because they want 
they want you to bet on the commanders because all the tickets, all the squares, they're coming in on the Niners. Great call, Colin. Great call. I wish the number was three. Similarly to the commanders, the number's not ideal. But I think it's pullback time for the Lions. The Panthers' defensive front is pretty interesting. Um, Darnold's always been better when he's pretty comfortable. Um, Sam on the road, Sam in bad weather, get out of here. But this feels low scoring. You're getting to the point with the Lions now that the casuals, that the squares are jumping in on the Lions. To this point, they're a better story than a team. Carolina is a way better team than a story. I'm going to take the home team plus two and a half sharper square. Oh my God, Colin. It's it's like you're in my head. It's like you've been in my notes that I've been sort of collecting all day. The first thing you said is the most important thing. You like it better at three. If you can find this number at three, what I would recommend to people is you wait because as you noted, the public is coming in hard on the Lions. Very possible come Sunday, this line gets back up to three. But the wise guys do like the Panthers here. The Panthers, since Sam Darnold has been playing, have just been a better, more consistent, more predictable team. They're sixth against the pass in DVOA since week 10. Their sack rate over the past six weeks has improved. You've got Jared Goff, who struggles against pressure, struggles away from home when he's outside. You look at that Jets game, it's another one similar to the Commanders game. The Jets should have won that game. And if not for that fourth and inches pass to a backup tight end who scores a touchdown from 55 yards away, the Lions struggle to score six points on offense. So you're completely on the right side here. See if you want to get, see if you can get the three on Sunday or Saturday. I mean, okay. I like the Bears last week. I like them again, plus eight and a half with the Bills. Bills come off a highly emotional divisional game. It could be minus 15 degrees in Chicago. I think the Bears can match up in the trenches where the Bills O line outside of center is not great. And their defensive lineman, Ed Oliver, pushed around against Miami. They ran for almost 190 yards. Bills probably win. I think the Bears are playing hard. A lot of young players, stuff's being put on film. <laughs> new GM, new coach. They're still being graded. I would take the Bears plus eight and a half in an ugly game, sharper square. Totally sharp. This game opened at nine and a half. It got bet down to nine. Got bet down to eight and a half. The wise guys still like it. We've talked about this, I'd say, the past three weeks, almost a month. We talked about taking the Rams as big dogs. We talked about taking, I think it was against Seattle. It was like eight and a half. Um, we talked about taking the Broncos as big dogs against the Chiefs that covered. Last week, we talked about taking the Bears as big dogs against Philly. Forget about what you're seeing on the field. All your analysis is right. This is about betting, right? And sometimes betting is not about the field. It's about the number. And... We've talked about this stat. The past six years, when you've got teams that have a really high winning percentage playing teams that would have a really low winning percentage, the team with the low winning percentage covers about 60% of the time. And the reason is because of basic gambling math. Bookmakers set a number that is really, really high for the team that has been playing really, really well all season long because they know the public is going to come in and bet it no matter what. 
They don't care what's happening on the other side. They'll move the number a little bit only if the wise guys come in so hard, they feel like they have to move the number because they see that they set it a little bit too high. It's going to cost them a little bit of cash. Um, but the wise guys are on the bears here. I'm going to tell you a favorite I really like. So I believe extra time with good coaches matters a lot. Bowl games, off a of buy in the NFL. I think we have ourselves a borderline football genius in Mike McDaniel, who completely out-game-planned and out-schemed Sean McDermott. Time of possession, shut down Stephon Diggs, had 190 yards rushing, one time of possession. They outplayed the Bills. Two days extra prep, Packers on Monday night. The Dolphins were 5-0 and against non-playoff teams, 0-3 against playoff teams on the road. They come back home for a non-playoff team. Green Bay's not beating Miami, Minnesota, and Detroit. This is a team that can't stop the run at all. I get the sharpest young coach in the game. Tua now comfortable with a disappointing season-long pass rush. I'm taking Miami. And in fact, I never do this on Blazing 5. 30 to 17, they win by two touchdowns. I know it's square, but it's fun anyway, sharper square. All right. So I know you like to ski. I know you like to get out into the wilderness. You're skiing over your tips on this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> going, going 30 to 17, calling out a number. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you doing? Why would you? Why would you give more than you have to? The wise guys love the Packers, okay? This game opened at five and a half, got bet down to five, got bet down to four and a half, got bet down to four, got bet down to three and a half. I will tell you, three and a half seems to be the floor for this game. When it gets to three and a half, the professionals come back in and immediately got bet up to four. So this is about a number situation, not what's happening on the field. The reason they like the Packers is because five and a half is a really big number for this Miami team that has struggled of late. And we talked about this probably a month ago. We saw Miami was going to have to go on the road. They were going to have to play San Francisco. They're going to have to play Los Angeles. They're going to have to play Buffalo. And I think what a lot of wise guys feel is that those teams showed a blueprint for beating Mike McDaniels. You're jamming the Dolphins receivers, trying not to let them get ahead of steam and get downfield. The Packers defense is not very good, especially against the run. So what they are good at is in their defensive backfield, defending against the pass. Zaire Alexander made the Pro Bowl. That is a huge advantage for, this, for the Packers. That's why the wise guys start to like this team. I also feel like the Packers have not been a complete offensive team this year, and you're starting to get comfortable with Watson, Romeo Dobbs coming back. Fair. I think that they feel this is their opportunity to get to the playoffs. I think you'll get a competitive game. I don't think it'll be a 13-point win for the Dolphins. Uh, the wise guys like the number at anything four and above. Okay, so now I always close with two things. First of all, there's a game I'm on. I can be pushed in or out of, and it's Raiders plus three at Pittsburgh, the number on FanDuel minus two and a half, three. I've said this for weeks. I think Josh McDaniel is going to get it right. I like him. They're in a lot of one possession games. 
My knock on him is he gets conservative sometimes with a lead. But I just don't think Pittsburgh is good enough to swallow three points. You tell me where I should go. I'm interested in what you, what side you would take. So the line has moved to two. And when it was at three, it was a pass. At two, I kind of like the Steelers. I think their defense is really, really good. And that's been what's keeping them alive uh, in the second half of the season. I'm a big Kenny Pickett fan. I felt like he was a complete gamer when he came in for Mitch Trubisky and got them close in games against the Jets team. Let's look at that first game he played against that Jets team. He almost had them win that game against a Jets team that we clearly think is much better than we thought, right? So um, that's number one. Number two, he had that bye week and came back and was significantly better yeah. than he had been prior to the bye. So all of a sudden, he's getting comfortable. He was making plays for this team just as an athlete. So now he's coming back. With this defense, in this weather, an emotional weekend in Pittsburgh, 50th anniversary of Immaculate Reception, Franco Harris dying this week. That is a town that gets behind this team. I would like to be a short home favorite against the Raiders uh, and be the Steelers this weekend. Finally, a game that may be gross, I haven't mentioned, but you have a strong opinion at the Action Network on it. Not really. These are always grotesque. And, and by the way, I've bet some of these and I've done pretty well. It works out. Um, how about the New England Patriots at plus three and a half oh, against the Cincinnati Bengals? Gross. It's gross. And listen. I have loved the Bengals all season long. Loved them even more, not since, not since Joe Burrow started to get more comfortable and sort of play out of the rust, but really since DJ Reader came back. That team has just been consistently better, and I've been betting them often in spots where you normally wouldn't want to bet them. This week, the Pats are at the lowest point you're going to get them, and the Bengals are at the highest point you're going to get them. And we talk about what the wise guys look at isn't so much the final score of a game. They look at the yards per play in a game. They look at the randomness in a game. I mentioned the luck rankings earlier, right? The Bucks were dominating that game against the Bengals and they had four turnovers. They were up 17-0 in the first half. You're well, right. In the course of the game, the Buccaneers had more yards per play and that's a Good key point. metric. That's not gross yards, right? Gross yards really indicates... A team could be coming back. They gained 500 yards because they were passing every play and the other team was running it and playing out the clock, right? Yards per play is a really good indicator of which team sort of was more successful offensively. So you had that with the Bucs against the Bengals. Now, Trey Henderson, he's got a broken wrist. Even if he plays, he's going to be playing with the club. Sam Hubbard, also on the defensive line, is out. And the defensive line are the reasons why I've loved back in the Bengals the past few weeks. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of wind in the game that potentially neutralizes the Bengals passing attack. Wow. This so, is, this is why you're a sharp God. This is how did I overlook this? This is why I'm a dullard, a dim bulb, a square, a God. It's so obvious and just phew, right over my head. It, uh, the, it, this line moved from three and a half to three. And so, 
I think what you got to hope for is that it goes back to three and a half because people are going to come in on the Bengals. Like this is a big pros Joe's game. So um, getting the hook here is really important because most wise guys have this power rated at power rated at three or less. And look, I know it, it feels like a half point doesn't mean anything, but to wise guys on a key number like three, it means everything. Look at the text. Look at the uh, chargers and Titans game last week. Like the game landed on three. If you had the Chargers minus two and a half, you were golden. If you had the Titans plus three and a half, you were golden. Like that on key numbers like that, it kind of means everything. And, you know, like you pointed out for the Lions, Bengals are at the peak of the market. Peak Burrow. Is it possible I could just buy my way into being a sharp? Because I'm not going to be able to do it based on data and takes. Uh, you can. It's called you buy the points every week. You just buy that extra half a point every single week and you're golden. Boy, that was a good one. For anybody listening, that was really good. That is why the favorites podcast is great. That New England take is your best of the year, honestly. Well, I can't I believe that. Everything you said, you were like a magician. I was looking over to the left with the cards and you pulled a pigeon out of your suit and i'm like how the fuck did he do that <laughs> that was literally i'm just i'm in awe you know a magician's good when you do it and you're like oh he totally got me i can't believe i overlooked it what um listen it, it, it is totally gross like you see that we we first talked about this on the favorites on tuesday and we were having a conversation and it all makes sense but I was really uncomfortable with it. And then today, uh, when we recorded the Thursday edition, we do this thing called Sharp Calls where the wise guys who we're connected to will call us and react to the conversation we had. And all of them were talking about that Patriots-Bengals game. Like that was the play that everybody, wow. that game and then Dallas. And the, the other game we didn't talk about, which is interesting, obviously, is Dallas and Philadelphia. Well, right? I would like, take Philadelphia that would be the side. My concern is Greg Cosell told me on Thursday, he said they're not going to run the same offense mostly with Gardner Minshew. And he worries about in a short week, do you just say, we're not changing our offense. We're going to kind of run what we run because I think Philadelphia is clearly the better team. Cosell also said this. It was one of his gems of the year. He said, when you watch film, CeeDee Lamb's not a great one. Schultz is productive. Not a great tight end. Gallup's not the same player that Dallas's skill people because their Dallas's are driven up in the market, but they really don't have a starting ace on the mound. CD Lamb is like a great two or an average one. Dallas, by the way, Dallas is going to have to go to either San Francisco, bad, bad spot, uh, or at Philadelphia, we all know how this is going to end, right? Now, I would take Philadelphia in the points. Is that the sharp side? It's It started as the sharp side, but there's been, it's like, talk about split. When I say like there's no consensus on a game when we're talking about the Panthers, it's because it's like you take the plus three and it would, when it's not plus three, maybe you take the plus two and a half, but you kind of wait till it gets back to plus three, but people aren't passionate about it. There's passion on the Cowboys and the, and the Eagles right now. And when this game was at six, people were buying the Eagles hard at plus six. You saw it get down to five and a half. And then when Jalen Hurts was officially announced he was out, 
wise guys all started talking about the Cowboys again. And I think part of it is they're looking at the injury reports, right? Yes. And who's practicing for the Eagles. And there's a lot of guys sitting out this week. And Gardner Minshew missed practice time because of Mike Leach's funeral. So I think that from a wise guy perspective, and maybe they're overthinking it, are the Eagles going to take this week off? That's if yes. I think they're going to have to see the Cowboys in the playoffs, like you just mentioned. Yep. Do they not want to show anything special? Jalen Hurts isn't going to play. They're in pretty good position as it relates to the conference standings. Is this a game where they're not going to not show up, but this is a rest week? So yep. I think that's why the wise guys started coming into the Cowboys. Yeah. That said, I bet the Eagles are plus five and a half, and I'm not buying out of it. Meaning I'm not going to bet the Cowboys. I'm not going to hedge it in any way. So what's the number at now? I think it's back up to six. I think when sort of it became official with Minshew, it went back up to six because some wise guys started playing. Um, they started playing yeah. the Cowboys. Let me scroll yeah, through six here. points. I would take Philadelphia, even though I think your reasoning is right. Six is too many points for that defense. Interesting. It's now down to four and a half. Yeah, so, now Dallas is interesting. See, now Dallas is yes. the side. Now it becomes interesting, Colin. And now, if it continues to move down, like, I've got it at five and a half. The number's at four. I'd probably keep waiting. I would try to find a very thin middle. If I can get it at three and a half, like, does it continue to go down? For me, it's a wait and see. For if you haven't bet it yet, take Dallas at four. But that's where it gets interesting. The Volume. Make sure to check out the Draymond Green Show. I brought Draymond Green into the volume because one of the more entertaining voices in sports, unique perspective, understands behind the rope, also chops up with guests like Gary Payton, Zach Levine, Tracy McGrady. Make sure, download the Draymond Green Show wherever you get your podcasts, only on the Volume Podcast Network. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 